you guys. Awesome, awesome sounds. <laughs> oh, my brother Will Chua is here representing his family and the new addition that has made it. You don't see him yet, but oh man, I hope baby Christian is doing well. Congratulations, man. Awesome. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We just thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are doing the work in us. We thank you, Lord, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And we trust you with everything you are doing, Lord. No matter how things look, no matter how it may seem, you have already finished the work, Lord. So we just pray that you will use this message that you have given me and that you will speak, Lord, and that uh, every ear here will, will hear what it is that you are saying, Holy Spirit. Um, it is only your word that can change us from the inside out, and uh, we put all of the expectation on your word to do what it is um, meant to do. And uh, we just expect you to come through because you are a faithful God, and we thank you for what you are going to do in our lives and what you're doing now. In Jesus' name, amen. How many are happy to be here? Because I feel encouraged. I really do. Um, God is so good. I just want to, first of all, I want to put the disclaimer out there now that I did not speak to die at all until today. So when I get to the part of my message that might sound a little bit familiar, as what she was just saying about pursuing God, just know it is the Holy Spirit because I have not spoken to her at all. God is doing something. I do want to say thank you to Brahm and Di um, just for your leadership. I think it is important to recognize and honor you guys, not just what we do behind the scenes, but with our words as well because you guys have been nothing short of um, transparent and... Uh, vulnerable and just what a real Christian should look like. I know for me, I've been able to see how you guys have lived your lives through the ups and through the downs. And I'm very, very thankful for just your willingness to serve and love people. So thank you. I really honor that. Um, look, I think a couple weeks ago with the laying on of hands, service was really powerful for me. I know it was powerful for this church. I know it was. Um, and even the prophetic part of this, uh, that Sunday, um, it's a powerful season we are going into and something really happened. Um, the, you know, even when it comes down to transferring the, the gifts and awakening the gifts that are in us all as to what God wants to do with us individually, but even more importantly, corporately as a body. Um, but nothing happens unless we partner with the Holy Spirit, unless we actually take what has been spoken to us prophetically, take what God is dealing with us and saying to us personally, and we actually take responsibility and go with what God is doing with what he's saying and step out there and do it. We cannot sit 
and expect God to do magic. Doesn't happen like that. This is our realm. Dominion has been given to us through Christ. But if we want to pull down what is happening in the kingdom and see God do what he wants to do in a broken society of the world we live in, we have to be the ones that say, okay, God, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to step in it. I'm going to take responsibility, and I'm going to say yes. That's, that's how it happens. So there's a maturity, I believe, that has come on this church. There's, there's a responsibility, I believe, that happened when we received the laying on of hands. And I believe we are going to see people rise up to that. We're going to see it. It's up to you for you to be one of those people. But we're going to see it because this society needs to see who Jesus is. So I want to go into straight into it. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 39. This is such a powerful passage of Scripture. It is so encouraging when you hear Paul talking to the Romans and speaking about these things, and really it is definitive. It's like he's drawn a line, and this is exactly the truth. This is exactly what it is. It's no going back and forth. If God is for us, who can be against us. So I, I want to read starting at the 28th verse and you know if I get excited then it's okay because I'm just excited about what God is doing. So here we go and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, 
nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Woo! Man, if, if that does not encourage you, then I'm sorry. I, I, whatever I say now, I, it, it, this is the word of God. This is where the life is. This is where the promise is. This is what we can rely on as believers. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. So really just two, kind of three points, but two main points I want to highlight in our understanding of what the message that I'm entitling this as, which is we are more than conquerors. First one, or the first part I want to highlight is that being and understanding your position, well, understanding who you are as more than a conqueror, you have to understand and have the right perspective. Now, the perspective is the most important part of the believer. We have to see ourselves the way God sees us. When you look at a conqueror, you look at someone and anybody, you know, throughout history, you talk about you know, conquerors of different empires like Alexander the Great and all these things, all these people, they were known by their victories. But what the scripture is saying is we're actually more than that. We're more than conquerors. The reason for it is because the way God sees us and the way he deals with us and the way he knows us is not by our victories or our um, achievements or our performance. He actually knows us and sees us by his son. He knows us because it was his son that gave up his life for us. He purchased us and he bought us by the precious blood of Christ. When we read um, even Romans, you know, chapter 8 again, but when you go back, you can kind of see in the uh, 16th verse, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God. And even the verse I read in 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image. So his foreknowledge, obviously, is how he predestined us. The way we would become and, you know, our choices and all these things we will make, he foreknew that. That's how he predestined us. But when you keep reading, the part that really stuck out to me is that he predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. So when he sees us, he sees Christ. That's how he knows us. That's how he relates to us. It's a son to a father. It is a daughter to a father. He sees Jesus. So the way God sees us is the way we have to see ourselves. We have to see that we are in Christ. We have to see that we are known by our Father through the blood of Jesus. And a lot of times we get caught up in our own performance, in our own thinking of how to do this, and even our own victories. And, you know, of course, when, when we're doing DMS, we go through a lot of the things that helps us bring us into the place where we are free from a lot of strongholds, a lot of addictions and all these things. But the main part of DMS is what we have to get, and that is our identity. 
It is our identity in Christ. You got to understand, in the kingdom of God, there are no victims. But also understand that if you measure yourself based on your performance, if you see yourself based on your victories, then it's easy for the enemy to bring in the defeats, to bring in the losses, to bring in the struggles. And it is, and when that happens, it is so easy to fall into the mindset of being a victim. Victims have victories. It happens. But it's not about the victories. It's about knowing who you are. It's about the identity. I was reading in Luke chapter 11 talking about the prodigal son, and it hit me when I started reading about the other son who was in the house. Now, he never left the house. He never went. He stayed with the father. And when the prodigal came back, the other son got pretty angry. And it wasn't so much he was angry at the other son coming back, but he was more angry at the fact that he felt like his father didn't give him anything. So he approached his father and said, look, I'm the one that has been with you. Look at, look at what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. Look at my obedience. Look at all of these things that I've, I've stayed when you told me to. I've said this and I've done that. Look at, look at how I've lived. How come you've never given me anything that I could, you, you never gave me a calf. You never gave me something that I could use and, and have a celebration with my friends. How come you've never done that? But that's how victims think. And he slipped into the place of being a victim. It's like he had an identity crisis. It's like he lost sight of his perspective of who he was and made it about what he didn't have. And his father's response was, what are you, what are you talking about? Everything I have is yours. Why do you feel like you need to come and ask me for something that I've already given you? This is not the problem. The problem is not you don't have it. The problem is you've had an identity crisis. You've had an issue with your perspective in knowing who you are. So when God sees us, he sees his son. We have to see ourselves the same way. Our perspective has to be accurate. And when our perspective is right, then we can understand the position that we have as being more than conquerors. Because our position of authority is a son to a father. It is a daughter to a father. It is direct authority from God. Even in the scripture or the part of the scripture that I read, verses 31 and 32, or, yes, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So we understand this is family. We understand that we are in the family of God. We are his children. But 
And I encourage you to read chapter 8. I encourage you to read the book of Romans. I think reading the entire book gives you the complete context. But if you jump back up to verse 17, which I didn't read, you can read on your own time. It says, and if children, so we are children. This is our identity. This is who we are. And if children, then heirs. Heirs to God. This talks about the authority that we have because the position that we take is one of authority from a father to a son. And that's what the prodigal son actually woke, he, he woke up, he came back to himself. When he was eating with the pigs, he came back to himself and said, wait a minute, my father has better, my father's house, the servants eat better than I do right now. I need to go back and present myself by apologizing and coming to him saying, I'm not even worthy to be a son. Can you just make me a servant in your house? See, in reading that and knowing, you know, I know thoughts could be around, well, maybe he didn't recognize his place as a son, but he did because the first thing he says is my father. So he knows his place, but it's actually the humility that enters his heart to bring him back to his father and repent because he can't. You, none of us can walk in the authority that God has given us unless we come through humility, unless we come in humility. It was pride that caused the prodigal to leave. He said, give me my inheritance. I know what I want to do with it. I'm leaving. I'm out. I'm, I'm gone. But it was humility that brought him back. How powerful is that? Because when he gets back, that is the first thing he says, Father, I am not, will I, I am, I am not even worthy to be a son. If you make me a servant, I'm, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. But what does the father do? It's, it's incredible. The father doesn't even acknowledge what his son is saying. Yes, he's hearing the humility, but the father is telling the servants, go get the fatted calf prepared. Go get the robe that I need to put on my son and go get the ring because my son has made it back. He's come back. So when we look at that, our approach has to be from an approach of humility but our father already knows and he sees us as his son, as his daughter, as his children. The enemy cannot change that. And that is why he's able to come back to his position as a son because he comes back in humility and he's able to step back into that authority. We are more than conquerors, guys. It is about our perspective. If my identity is right, if I understand who I am, then I can walk in that place of authority because I know that what God has said about me and who he is, that is what I operate from. That is actually the place that I operate out of. So how do we do that? How do I even use my authority as being more than a conqueror? How do I see that in my life? Well, I pretty much said it. We have to pursue him. 
We have to pursue him. Look, we all have desires. We all have goals. We all have things that we want to see God do. We all have things that we want to see God come into our own lives and struggles that we have and victories that we want to see happen and, you know, even addictions that we've carried and we just want to come out of it. We all have these things. But the thing is, the enemy's job is actually to disrupt our focus by getting us to magnify the things about our lives and make it bigger than actually who God actually really is. That's his job. That's his job. So all these desires that we have, it's great. Look, it's beautiful. If you're single and you want to be married, great. If you're married and you want to have children and you don't, great. If you have children and you never want to see them sick, that's a great desire. You want to be able to give your family, you want to be able to give those that you love the best, that you, the best things that you can possibly give them. When it comes to things that we have to face in life and, you know, when it comes to sickness, when it comes to being ill, when it comes to, you know, it's, I look at my daughter who's been having a cold this week and it's hard for me to even handle that. Like all of the, you know, <laughs> stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll take it. If you don't have to go through it, I'll take it. Even though I don't want to be sick, I'd rather myself be sick than to see you sick. Because that's what a father does. That's what a mother does. Like, that's what we do. That is our desire to see the people that we love be and have the best. But like Paul says here, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? You can sum up all of these things that he's saying and just put it into the one category, which you can just call one word, and that is life. It's life. It happens. We can't control life. We're not meant to control life. We're not meant to try to control our environment. As much and as naturally we try to do this for the people that we love, even for ourselves, guess what? That is not our purpose. That is not what we pursue. We pursue him. Paul is saying, who shall separate me from the love of Christ? Pursue his love. Pursue Christ. Pursue God. God is love. Pursue him. Keep your eyes on him. Throughout all of the ups and the downs, keep our eyes on him. This is what makes me more than a conqueror, because if I look at life in terms of my victories, then as I take a step and, yeah, I did that, then life can hit me from the left and I've missed it or I've experienced a defeat or the enemy comes at me and I have a family member who's gone through this and I couldn't control that, so now I'm down in the dumps. Well, now I'm up again, but then I'm down again. That is someone who is seen as a person who's just a conqueror. But if I'm more than a conqueror, 
no matter what hits me, my eyes are on him because he can't fail. He can't lose. He is faithful. Even if I feel like I don't know if I love God as much as I did yesterday or I'm not feeling the love, well, guess what? The scripture says for me to hold on to his love. It is the love of Christ that actually brings me out. Who shall separate me from his love? So even if my feeling of how I loved is a little bit low, I don't have to hold on to the feeling of how I love. I just hold on to his love. I just grab it. I just, I just stay there. Come on. I just stay there. Because that's where it is. No one can separate me from his love. We pursue him. So the takeaway, and, you know, the musicians can start making their way back. The takeaway is this. How do I pursue him? How do I walk out being more than a conqueror? Well, it's on us. We have to be aggressive in prayer. You know, we keep holding winter rain every week. That is the goal. Some weeks we can't do it. Next week we won't be able to, but that's fine. But look, we have to be aggressive. We have to, it's like we have to be obsessive in our prayer life. We have to be obsessive. You know, it's easy to be distracted, especially when we have things like social media and you take the inventory. You think about how much time you spend doing things that really don't matter. Like I, I've, I've had to, even this week, take the inventory. Well, how much time do I actually spend on Instagram and on Facebook? And actually, what is that doing for me? Am I hearing God when I'm going and scrolling through? I'm, look, I'm, I'm not trying to make this, this, this is not a religious sermon. And it's not trying to be, oh, you're being super deep. You know what? It's actually being much more realistic in our approach when it comes to going after God to actually see what we need to see in the world that we live in now. All of these distractions are just distractions. We have to pursue him. We have to go after him. And when it comes to prayer, we have to be obsessive. No one's going to make us be aggressive for this. We have to partner with God, and the more obsessive we become, guess what? The more we'll hear him. The more we'll see the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. The more we'll be able to speak to people that don't know Christ, and they'll want him. They'll grab him. We have to be obsessive. We have to be aggressive in digesting the word of God. Lately, maybe for the past two or three weeks, I've just been going with the word of God, and as I go to sleep, I just put it in my ear and just let it play. I just let it play. I'm just letting it play around the house. I'm just letting it play in the car. I'm just, I'm just letting it play because I got to get this in me. Because I have to be more than a conqueror. There's no way I can read this in the scripture and think, well, this is not for today. This is for this very moment. I'm not trying to be religious and preach to people. I just want to carry the power of the Holy Spirit. And the promises that we need to have are in the Word. How many times are we dealing with things and when someone mentions a scripture, we say, oh man, where is that at? 
Oh, where, where do you find that? It's, it's pathetic. It's pathetic because we have the Bible in so many different forms. iPad, phone, the, the Bible written. I mean, you can find it everywhere, and yet we don't even know where the promises of God are, let alone that they're met for us. So if, I, if someone tells me you're more than a conqueror, I don't even know what that means. Because I'm too busy wallowing in the fact that something just happened and I don't know how to take it. And I've become a victim and I can't get out of my own thinking and my own selfish, you know, way of seeing things instead of saying, ah, oh, forget that. I'm pursuing him be obsessive in the word and be aggressive in your willingness to submit to Christ we have to get out of our own way and say okay God I'm, I'm still dying so help me die the kingdom suffers violence told Joshua, I've given you everything your feet will tread upon, but it's your feet that have to tread upon it. You gotta walk it out. You have to do it. It's already given to us. We gotta take it. This world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. I said on our WhatsApp and Life group, couple weeks ago which has stuck with me and I said before the laying on of hand service we have to have the faith to pull everything down from the kingdom of God making the realm we live in the kingdom of our Lord it's up to us to pursue him being more than a conqueror is not based on a feeling is based on his love towards us. So like I said, even if you don't feel it sometimes, even if you don't feel lovingly, even if you don't have the feeling, it's okay. You hold on to his love because that's what makes you more than a conqueror. If we could just sing, as we sing this, please stand. Look, if, if, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged because I know without a doubt God wants to do the incredible, the remarkable, the powerful in our lives. We have to realize he wants more for us than we want even for ourselves. But we have to be willing to partner with him. Step up into that responsibility. As we sing this song, I want you to think, and 
look, if you want to come down, if, if, you, if you feel challenged today and if you feel like, you know what, yeah, God has been speaking to me even after the laying on of hand service. God has really been dealing with me to step into another place of responsibilities. It's actually just about responsibility to answer to who God is pushing us and leading us and making us to become. Lord, we need you. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, God. Guys, it is time to take ownership. It is time to take ownership. We want to see a difference. We want to see a change. But it starts with us partnering with him and us knowing that we are more than conquerors. Yes, Lord. Father, I thank you. As we keep worshiping you, as we stay in this place and in this presence, Lord, Pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to pull our hearts, to engage our spirits, to keep pressing on us how much you want to do. When we hear the word, to keep that hunger and that thirst of going after you, no matter how bad or how good our weeks are going, our pursuit is after you. Change our mindsets, Lord. Shift our thinking. We thank you for what it is that you are doing in us. We pray, Lord, even as we sit down and go back over the words that you've spoken, go back over your word that you have already made the promise. That is your word, your word. That is what transforms our mind. That is what transforms our thinking. Your word. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will have your way in all of us and that we will step into the calling of knowing, yes, we are more than conquerors. And we will go after you like never before. Father, I pray your peace and your love and the benediction on all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.